The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It is Monday 11th of November, 10 o'clock exactly, so it means one thing and it's the Urban Cube Show with me, Shamiza, taking it all the way up to 12 o'clock this morning. It's been a while. It's, I've been off air for two weeks. It's such a pleasure to be back in your company, guys. Um, thank you so very much for listening in to the repeat of the shows. I don't even know what was being repeated. Um, I'm sure it was good. Um, but it's wonderful to be back in your company this morning. And it's not just Luton surrounding areas. It's Peterborough and Sheffield as well. So massive big salams to the wonderful listeners on Link FM this morning and also um, the awesome listeners on Salam Radio. Radio Peterborough. How has the weather been uh, for the wonderful listeners in Sheffield? Please do get in touch if you're listening. I'd love to find out how the community of Sheffield have been coping with the actual weather, the rain. I'd heard it. Um, there was quite a lot of a torrential outpour and they'd be, it really impacted um the homes of many people in Sheffield. So, you know, pray that all is well there and would love to kind of find out if there is anybody listening who has been impacted, then tell us that you're okay. And in order to do that, it's 077 That's the number to call this morning or, well, message this morning um, to get in touch with the show. Now, the show itself is the Urban Cube, as always. It's a show that celebrates uh, art for social action, faith-inspired creativity, and positive action, not just locally, but nationally and internationally as well, with great guests that come together, share their work, but also their creative journey to inspire, motivate and um, get you engaged and involved. Now, today's show is no exception. I'm joined by guests who are joining me, not just locally, also joined by a guest um, from London and Peterborough today. And today's show, the whole concept of today's show is talking about art for social action. Art for social action, a topic that, you know, I'm very much um, in tune with. I'm I'm always loving talking about the ways in which we can use art to navigate and um, share, share issues of of, uh, social justice um, impacting or injustice impacting our communities locally, nationally and internationally. And this brings me on to a very, very interesting campaign that is actually looking at 16 days of activism, 16 days of activism uh, against or uh, violence against women and girls. And to talk to me more about this is no other than a very regular and much loved voice on the show. It's no other than the very extraordinary, very super talented and very creative Mariam Grillo. Assalamu alaikum, Maria. Alaikum assalam. How are you, Shamiza? I'm very well. So much better from hearing your voice this morning. And how are you, my dear? How, how's your weekend been? Oh, alhamdulillah. It's been, it's been good, actually. It's been nice and restful and quiet. Busy, but, you know, nice. 
Now you use the word restful. Can the word restful ever come in your resting come ever to your life, my dear? Because you've been super, super busy <laughs> working on the very extraordinary People Power and Passion project. That's the, that's the last mm. time we spoke. That has now ended, and now you're working on another project um, around activism and the female voice. Now I want to just quickly ask you about People Power and Passion. How has that journey been for you, for you and the town? Yeah, it's been really good. I think it's been a lovely uh, opportunity for local people to get engaged in arts um, projects. And we've had lovely stories of people from all walks of life just finding it really, really useful, Mm. really, really interesting. Um, And um, so for me, it's been really extraordinary to kind of have the opportunity to kind of talk to people. Um, Yeah about it really now you're talking engaged. engagement and talking is something that um you're very passionate about and getting people involved in creativity as an art therapist as a creative practitioner or very well respected um artists across the town now you're working on a new project um which is a countdown really 16 days of activism tell us more what is this about Sorry, can you just say that again, Shemaiza? Sorry, I'm in the car, sorry. <laughs> you're in the car, but you're not driving, hopefully. Um, and um, so, folks, if you've I'm just... I'm in the car, but I'm not driving, but... Um... <laughs> okay, go ahead, sorry. This, this is live radio, folks, for you. A um, little bit of entertainment, a little bit, a little bit of comedy going on there. Um, Mariam is in the car when she's taking this interview. Mashallah, Mariam, um, I was talking, just mentioning about the 16 days of activism project that you're now engaged um, and get, um, hoping to get Luton involved in. What is it about? So, the 16 days of activism is um, it's a UN initiative that's... Um, uh, Challenge in Violence Against Women and Girls, so it's an international initiative put on by the United Nations. Mm-hmm. And what we are doing for that, we've done it for a few years now, the Butterfly Project, my CIC, that works um, through arts engagement and arts therapy with local people. What we're doing this year is um, we're doing something very, very different, because what we usually do is like in an exhibition or maybe have um, a quite straightforward performance piece. Um, but what we're doing this year, we're working with some local talent, so it's really nice. It's quite a few people that have also been involved in People Power Passion. One of them is Laura Lloyd from um, Next Generation Youth Theatre, and she's a dancer and an actress in her own right. So she will be performing what they call the Baton Theatre, mm-hmm. where you take um, word-documented um, stories from people and you enact them through an actor. Mm. But what she'll be doing as a dancer is she'll be taking those stories and creating a movement piece, so a dance piece based on the stories of the women. What we, what I was really interested in exploring, so this is kind of like a new branching out for me as an artist, obviously starting with photography and film and then ceramic in my own right, and so making kind of sculptural pieces. That's kind of what I did before I got onto test bed at the University of Bedfordshire mm-hmm. and did a sort of artist development program. And in doing that, I began to explore different ways of creative expression. Um, different. What I wanted to work with different materials for a long time, work in different ways. Mm-hmm. But this has given me the opportunity to kind of like hone in um, a greater understanding of how to do that. So this particular project puts that into play by working with someone like Laura, who is a dancer and actress, 
and taking these stories which we've worked with again year on year since 2016 um, for local women who have been uh, affected by domestic abuse, childhood sexual abuse, trauma in the main, and um, sharing those stories through dance. Because, sorry, I've kind of jumped ahead of myself, but what I was trying to say was that what I really want to explore now is the idea of what those, what those experiences felt like for those women. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something, as an art therapist, about trauma-informed care where you work with women, listen to their stories, but you work with them on their own terms instead of imposing upon them what you think they need in Mm -hmm. order to recover. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that women said through research that they needed was to be heard, to be acknowledged, to be able to tell their stories, to be able to rewrite their stories on their own terms. So with this particular dance performance, we want the audience to engage in the experience itself, so the feelings that arose from the experience of being in those situations, but also to move on and you know uh, um, understand where people are now because I think that there is a bit of a gap for one of a better way of putting it that when a woman has a traumatic experience let's say domestic abuse people say oh why didn't she leave you know why did she tolerate that why did she do that and people just don't get that it is so complex but I'd like to hope that in listening to the stories of the women and in listening to kind of like or even witnessing how Laura brings those the feelings of these women to life mm-hmm. that you know people can have a deeper and a much more empathetic um, understanding of the experiences. Um, maybe even some will relate because often when it comes to domestic abuse, especially people don't even realise when they're in a, a, a situation that is would be regarded as domestic abuse because they think that, for example, maybe their partner just gets angry sometimes, is a bit bossy. And they're not realising that actually they're being abused in that scenario. So, so maybe that will raise awareness about how people feel in that experience, that people can understand what it looks like and possibly if they're in it, seek help. But also just to raise awareness in the main about the fact that this happens. And, and, and what we don't know is that Bedfordshire has the highest count of domestic abuse in the country. So we want to really raise awareness about that. You've been working on this project for a number of years and have you found the project growing and more women coming forward year in, year out? Yeah, so more and more women come forward. In the work that I do, my therapeutic work, what you find is, because I partner with a lot of charitable organisations, a lot of women's centres in Luton in particular, but also across Bedfordshire, but what you find is that the services that are put on for clients often last no longer than 12 weeks so a woman may have intervention that supports her through a very difficult stage in her life but it won't last for more than three months but that's not to say that each person doesn't need more than that Mm -hmm. so since 2016 I've been working with women in Luton, Bedford, Houghton Regis, Dunstable and often beyond the formal um, support that's given by those organisations, I will endeavour to put on um, further projects so that they can engage in them. And from a from a sort of like um, understanding the journey of recovery from a longitudinal point of view, that's really really beneficial because then you really get to see the growth of each individual as they move on. Mm. Because 
a lot of, I mean, there's something called the Freedom Programme, which lasts for 12 weeks. And it's great because it gives a great deal of awareness to an individual that has been involved in domestic abuse because there will be aspects that they won't recognise as abuse. They'll just think that they are part of the periphery experience. But after 12 weeks, what do they do? Where's the support? Where mm -hmm. you know they've, they've built up this sort of like momentum of being engaged with a group of people, feeling better about themselves, and then they're just put back into the world without that support system there. So for me, it's important to have long-term um, support, and that's what I've been able to do in doing these projects over the years, just maintain, um, if the women so wish, an opportunity for them to engage and have a, a support system around them. Now, if there's anybody listening into the show, um, how can they get involved, or is there opportunities for their stories to be uh, in to be engaged and be inputted into this um, event, 16 Days of Activism? Yeah, so what they can do is, I mean, obviously you're online, Jemiza, so if they were to come through you, that mm -hmm. might be the easiest way. But otherwise, they can come through the Butterfly Project. We're on Facebook as at Butterfly Project, um, and they can come through there. Um, or they can sort of get in touch with the radio station, and I'll get back in touch with them. But there are... If they want to be as anonymous as possible, possibly maybe through the radio station so that numbers don't have to be Because mm -hmm. well, anonymity for but many... There are, there are several ways that we can do that. Yeah, because yeah. an anonymity is key in, uh, in a very sensitive um, area like this where many women who um, yeah. have come out of traumatic experiences may not want to be... Um, recognized or but you're you're promising right. anonymity um through this work absolutely yeah so what i find with the butterfly project facebook i i do get people messaging me there and they're able to just you know have a private conversation um i know it's also important that people share their story so if that is important for somebody we can share their story without naming them mm -hmm. um so that's something that can be done or they can, we can just have a conversation now um, I am quite excited about seeing this piece of work because I followed your work um, around this theme uh, for a number of years and this time you're actually bringing it closer to Luton um, in the sense that it's going to be at the Hat Factory, I understand. It's going to be showcased there? Yeah, that's right. So it'll be at the Hat Factory on the 26th of November at 7pm so people can come and watch that performance then. And then we have another sharing on December the 10th at 7pm as well. So um, it's called The Butterfly Effect. Mm -hmm. And if anybody's interested in coming along, uh, we've got a Facebook event, but also they can go to the Hat Factory website and um, just book a ticket there. Fantastic. Now, is there a hashtag that people can um, get involved with if they're not wanting to kind of attend the event but want to support the, the, the work that you're doing? So butterfly effect, hashtag butterfly effect would be the hashtag to use. We're also on Twitter as the Butterfly Project. Um, our handle is at one with me, with two E's. Um, so people can sort of tweet and get involved in that way if they want to, or send private messages. Um, I wanted to ask you, Mariam, are there any other organisations across Luton that can support women or, and men that might be impacted by domestic violence? Yes, there are several um, organisations. I think as far as male victims are concerned, it's quite new. So I think that the uh, support available um, is thin on the ground. Mm -hmm. But I know that Family First Bedfordshire, based in Bedford, um, have a male victim support. And I think that there's another group that's opened up in Flittick. But I think if, if people, if men in particular were to contact Family First Bedfordshire, 
in Bedford, they would be able to be signposts to a particular group. But in Luton, we have Stepping Stones, Luton Women's Centre, Women's Aid, um, and they'll pet Penrose, you know, there'll be lots of different organisations. And I think just sort of raising um, awareness that you have an issue by going to even the council, for example, and they will sign post you to the appropriate group so that you can get some support. Fantastic. Some a great signposting there. Now, Mariam, I know you're busy and you're heading off to, I think it's the first rehearsals this morning with Laura. I wanted to just quickly That's ask right. you, are there any events that w- the listeners need to get involved in and participate in? And is there anything else that you're doing? Okay, so for me, this has kind of got me um, completely absorbed for the next um, month or two, so I'm busy with this. But I know that Nine Red Presents, which are also another local organisation, are doing something called Our House, um, which they're touring um, um, a miniature house across um, Dunstable and Luton, I believe, um, which is part of the 16 Days of Action as well. so that's happening. Uh, and there are lots of other things happening for 16 days, actually. But the Bedfordshire Domestic Abuse Partnership, so bdap.org, that might be a useful website to look at because mm-hmm. they will have a calendar of different events that are happening um, in relation to that. Fantastic. I, I just want, I'm, I'm curious, why 16 days? Why that number? Um, I think that they've said 16 days because uh, from November 25th to December 10th, I think the first one is Human Rights Day. Okay. And then the the last one is another national um, day for, you know, for protection of people or, or, or people's rights. So they've just taken that, that cluster of days. Um, I just said this is the 16 days of activism because we're not just talking about people in general. We're now wanting to focus on women and girls because, it, you know, it's an issue. So I think that there might be a, a woman, United Nations Women's Day in there as often as well. Right. But there are a cluster of different days, yeah. Um, I want to just ask you, you mentioned Human Rights Day. What does human rights mean to you, Mariam? Um, so I guess human rights... Oh. I think we've lost Mariam there. Hello, Mariam? I've just been speaking to Mariam Grillo, who is leading the 16 days of activism around human, well, um, violence, anti-violence against women and girls. Now, this is a very exciting event because it's uh, working with stories that have impacted um, women, uh, women across the town. Hi, hello. Hello. Are you right there, Mariam? Yeah, so sorry. No worries, no worries. Lovely to have you back. This is live radio. So, Mariam, I was asking you your thoughts on human rights. What does that mean to you? So it means that everybody can live freely as they are without feeling that somebody else's um, attitude is being imposed upon them, hmm. that they have to feel constricted by somebody else's ideals or beliefs. You know, so, so people have the right to be free, to be safe, to be heard, to be respected, that's what it means to me. And to be heard and to be respected and to be free. Oh, these yeah. are the key themes in the project, the butterfly effect that you're creating with this 16 days of activism. Exciting stuff. Mariam, before you leave, just tell us one more time. Um, when is it happening and how can people get involved? 
So the butterfly effect is happening at the Hat Factory from the 26th of November, so that's our first um, performance at 7 p.m. until the 10th of December, where we have our final performance at 7 p.m. And we'll be having some support groups, um, art therapy, drama therapy for women in between. Mm. Um, so that's uh, so if you want to get involved in that it, as a participant, please get involved. You know, please get in touch with the Butterfly Project. If you want to come as audience then please um, go to the Hat Factory website. There are tickets available there. Shumai, I just want to say before I go that the 16 days start on the 25th of November. Mm-hmm. And the first day is the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. That's right. November 25th. Mm-hmm. November 29th is the International Women's Human Rights Defenders Day. Mm-hmm. December 1st is World AIDS Day. December 5th, International Volunteer Day for Economic and Social Development. December 6th is the anniversary of the Montreal Massacre. They observe the National Day of Remembrance and Action mm-hmm. on Violence Against Women in Canada on that day. And on December the 10th, it's International Human Rights Day and the anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So that's why it's 16 days, because it links all of those days together. And there are a lot of days to get through and a lot of uh, remembrance uh, for very, very important yeah. issues, which I think is fantastic. And um, and I hope it does create change where the change is needed. Mariam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you uh, join us this morning. Thank you so very much for your time. And thank you for doing the fantastic work that you do in raising awareness of, of human rights uh, across the town through your art for social action and art therapy. Thank you so much for having me, Shemaiza. It's been uh, an honour to be on your show. Thank you. Bless you. Take care, my dear. Have a great day. That was Thank the you. that was a very fantastic Moriam Grillo talking to us about her project, 16 Days of Activism, which is um, in relation to the UN um, projects around um human rights so if you'd like to get involved or just follow the hashtag um you it's uh, the butterfly effect and there is actually a facebook page the butterfly project that you can get all the details on and this is actually happening at the hat factory now on today's show um we are also going to be talking to a number of guests who are really making their different uh, making a difference in their fields i'm absolutely delighted to announce that we're going to be joined by peter burroughs poet laureate yes poet laureate um, she is a, the, a voice that you may also be familiar with. Her name is um, uh, Hannah, and she's going to be talking to us about winning this accolade after 11.30 and also, inshallah, performing a piece and maybe the actual piece um, the actual piece itself um, that she that that won her that title so that will be uh very very shortly um after 11:30 now that is Malika, who is a spoken word artist, mashallah, who'd actually recently crowned, she was crowned Peterborough's Poet Laureate, and it's going to be after 11.30. So do not go away. You need to stay tuned for that. Now, um, one thing that uh, Malika is very is driven by is also purpose and justice Um, and she uses that as a means for writing her poetry and purpose and justice is something else that we're going to be exploring on today's show because I'm joined by the very tremendous Madhya Ansari who's the engagement manager and engagement officer for a play called the Trojan Horse 
play. Now, this play um, has actually won itself an Amnesty International Award for um, Human Rights at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. The play itself has been um, written um, from the real, it's based on a real life events um, and it's been adapted from over 200 hours of interviews conducted um, by Lung Theatre who are behind this and public documents um, that have been, uh, uh, public documents and um, that have been compiled really around this whole uh, case of the Trojan horse, which you may uh, or may be familiar with because it actually gained a lot of press coverage. It was around a school in Birmingham where um, the governors and teachers and pupils were under investigation and it was uh, the school was um, under the telescope for being a place where there could be possible extremism being um being formed there so the play trojan horse um we're going to be speaking to madia uh, ansari about why she is um working behind this play and why she feels it's important for the general public to actually come and uh, watch this play and the play itself has actually had free urdu translation also adapted to it too exciting stuff so madia will be joining me after uh, the break and she'll be talking to us about her journey with the play and and why it's so important for um, the wider community in particular the non-muslim community to actually hear the views and see the story and what happened um, at the school um, on, under this uh, this bit of a witch hunt that happened um, yeah so we'll be joining her straight after the break we're also going to be speaking to um, a delightful sister by the name of Sadia Hussein now Sadia Hussein is a parent with a child with autism and she was part of autism hour in the local mosque in Luton and I'm looking forward to hearing about how that went because it happened at the weekend so please stay with me come back straight after this break for more creative conversations on the Urban Cube Assalamu alaikum the number one radio station for Luton. This is Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It's 10.30, Monday 11th of November and you're listening to Inspire FM 105.1 FM and the show is The Urban Cube. We are now um, going live and direct. Uh, It's been two weeks I've been off air so I'm delighted to be back keeping you company guys. Hope you've had a fantastic weekend and having a great start to the week wherever you're listening in from. Be that driving, in the kitchen, at home, listening on the radio wherever you are would love to find out give me a whatsapp on 07779481822 and tell me where you're tuning in from is it Luton is it Peterborough is it Sheffield this morning wherever I would love to find out now on today's show I've had the pleasure of speaking to Mariam Grillo earlier on and she was talking to us about 16 days of activism on today's show we are looking at ways in which we're using art as a means of of activism and um, art for social action from from movement 
choreography, I can't even say that word, it's too early in the morning, to theatre and also uh, poetry too. So it's all happening on the show this morning. Now, I had the absolute pleasure of going and watching a play um, last week at the Battersea Art um, Centre and this play was called The Trojan Horse Play. Now, I've all, I've been quite intrigued by the this play because I've been following the actual inquiry, The Trojan Horse inquiry um, for a number of years and and so was very very intrigued to actually see um, uh, which uh, so what was happening um, uh, so the actual case in in the play um, was reflected um, I do apologize I'm getting a little bit um tongue-tied here so I need to grab a bit of water and then continue this conversation. Thank you. So just done that. Now, um, coming back to what I was mentioning. Now, I watched this play. Um, I was rather intrigued um, by what, how I'd feel about it. So, um, um, and it was quite intense. Now, the play is around an inquiry, um, the Trojan Horse Inquiry, which was about a local story that hit the national press. And it was accusing hardline Muslim teachers and governors of plotting extremism in Birmingham schools. Now, it drawed on over 200 hours of interviews with teachers, students, parents and governors. And that critically acclaimed theatre company Lung investigated what really happened and they turned this into a play. Now, originally, the play was developed at Leeds Playhouse and this and it went to the Fringe Festival um, in Edinburgh and Marshall, I actually won an Amnesty International Freedom of Expression Award. Um, the, the story is basically about how the community was torn apart by racial divisions and British values and the culture of prevent. Now, the purpose of the actual play was is to really open up dialogue, and every performance was is basically followed by a post show discussion chaired by Madiha Ansari. Um, Madiha is going to be joining us on the show this morning, inshallah, to talk a little bit more about her experience of being behind this show and her as an engagement officer and what that actually means. Um, because she's, the play is touring across the country and now it's having its leg in London to showcase. Um, and it's been sh- uh, showcased at the Battersea Arts Centre where I'd actually had the pleasure of um, going and watching it, watching it with e with um, a very interesting panel of um, um, a very interesting panel which included Professor John Holm- Holmwood Holmwood who was an expert witness at the Trojan Horse trials and even having the deputy head teacher um, who was embroiled by this scandal, um, Razwan Faraz, who was actually also on the panel too. It was an extraordinary experience. It was quite um, overwhelming and heart-wrenching to actually see the, um, the, the the witness statements being performed um, in a classroom setting, a court trial, and even um, a media paparazzi-style scenario as well. The cast was performed by um, a young, vibrant, young, vibrant actors, and this was really quite something as well. It was a pleasure to actually see um, a, you know, 
young Asian actors, um, young Asian actors performing. So we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking to Madiha um, very shortly about this, and I'm sure you're very curious to find out about the play because I understand there are some free tickets that are going to be made available um, as well for um, South Asian community to watch this performance. So um, while so I'm sure you're curious uh, to find out a little bit more about the Trojan horse play and inshallah we'll be catching up with Madiha shortly um, uh, but before then I'm joined by another fantastic guest I mentioned her earlier on the show and she is uh, somebody who's really making her mark in the world of poetry so much so she's actually won herself the title of Peterborough's poet laureate now it's no other than malika a spoken word artist and uh, she is driven by the purpose of justice and a right and she's been writing poetry from a very young age and mashallah the whole purpose for her writing and her love for spoken word is to inspire and deliver messages around morality and reflectivity and mental health now malika is active in many projects around community cohesion inspiring and empowering young people to be confident in who they are and how to contribute to society she's appeared um, and performed on radio shows and events in london luton and Peterborough. And she says there is a deep power in words. What and how we communicate holds the potential to inspire, empower and revolutionise hearts. Absolutely delighted to have the very wonderful Malika on the show this morning. Assalamu alaikum, Malika. Welcome, how are you? I'm very well, and a massive big congratulations is in order. Well done for being crowned for Peterborough's Poet Laureate. How does that feel? Amazing. Honestly, I am really honoured to have the title. It does mean a lot to me because obviously I love poetry um, and it's presenting itself with a lot of opportunity to go out there and be able to stand for the things that I stand for through the art of poetry. And you're somebody that's very passionate about justice and human rights and empowering young people and mental health. These are key areas that are very, very significant um, in our present society today. But your poem itself, what was it? What was the key feature that you reflected in the spoken word? Is that for the competition? Yeah, for the competition. Yeah. So what we had is we had a theme. Um, and the theme was dawn, and we had um, the freedom to interpret it as we as we wished. Um, obviously, being somebody who's passionate about and morality and stuff, I decided to align it with like a spiritual dawn. Um, so in my poem, I kind of captured the process of being consumed by materialism um, and kind of being caught up in the fast paces of society, and then kind of hitting that point where it kind of all crumbles and you realize that you know you need more substance and you need to feed the soul um so again it's kind of like the dawn of of your soul and that dawn really resonated with um the audience um who was actually on the judging panel for the 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 competition so we had um the previous poetry yeah she's amazing um claire curry um we had some other local poets we also had cat francois um, she's a poet and, and she's amazing. Um, you can find her work on Twitter and stuff. Um, it was nice to meet her as well. But we had quite a, a varied panel. 
What made you want to enter the actual competition? That's a good question. Um, I kind of, I was apprehensive at first um, because I think I've, I've for a long time been, you know, a hidden writer. Um, and more recently as I've performed, I think it's given me the confidence. And something in me said, you know what, Anna, just go for it. Um, what you've got to lose, the experience would be great. And I'm really glad I did. <laughs> And I'm glad you did because, uh, Marshallation, you went away crowned as Peterborough's Poet Laureate. What a fantastic title yeah. to have. And I'm sure there's lots of people tuning in from Peterborough this morning because we are going across Lam Radio. So um, you're doing your town very, very proud this morning. Now, um, what what has life been since winning the title? Nothing short of chaotic, to be honest, <laughs> in a good way. Um Alhamdulillah, like it's, you know, it's been up a lot of opportunities to perform. I've got quite a few events this month um, and, you know, pouring into next year. Um, lots of projects which I'm able to do with the support and funding um, and and some press stuff as well. I was on BBC Lookies. You were. It's been really good. Yeah, it's been really good for exposure and, you know, being able to share my work. Mm-hmm. So, what are you hoping the exposure will help you achieve? To reach out to people, really, um, you know, any artist or anyone who's kind of self, self-growing self will know that it's really difficult and it's, it's tough kind of getting yourself out there and connecting with people. Um, but at least this way I can kind of reach out wider audiences mm. um, and my intention is to obviously connect with people on different platforms. And this is a wonderful platform that you're on, which you've clearly embraced and and it hasn't slowed you down at all, mashallah. Um, I am sure our listeners this morning are going to be very cur- curious to hear um, the actual piece that won you the crown. Do we have the pleasure of having you perform that for us? Absolutely, Thank you. <laughs> oh, that, that makes my that makes my morning. Now, for the benefit of our listeners who've just tuned in, it is uh, ten forty one, Monday, eleventh of November. You're listening to the Urban Cube with me, Shamiza, taking all the way to, up to twelve o'clock this morning. Now, on the line right now, I'm joined by the very tremendous Malika. She is a spoken word poet, no ordinary spoken word poet. She has just recently won herself or crowned herself the Peterborough's Poet Laureate. Mashallah. We have her on the line this morning all the way from Peterborough. Is that correct? You are in Peterborough, right? Yes, I am. Yes, you are. So we're raising the flag for Peterborough this morning and sending out salams to all our listeners on Salam Radio. Uh, Malika is on the line and I do apologise if it's a little bit crackly. Uh, Malika, you will have to speak a little bit um, clearly and uh, loudly. Um, She is going to be performing a piece that actually crowned her the title of uh, Peterborough's Poet Laureate. So um, whenever you're ready, Malika. Thank you. Okay. Um, The poem is titled Alignment. All I'm seeing is night skies and dark lies and closed eyes, false promises, hidden identities, all things anonymous. The problem is there is no substance, just empty existence, just material abundance. Reach for the stars, they say. Make it up there one day. 
climbing stairs of gold bricks, feeling like we're making it, we're doing it, even though we're faking it. And even gold has its melting point. So under all this heat and pressure, I watch it disappoint all those who thought that they were flying amongst the diamonds as they melt back down to earth, carried in gold fears, floating in black tears, ink hearts yearning for that light and shine, real peace which rests with the divine, a place where the soul aligns to its purpose, a place where the soul aligns releasing all its burdens, a place where the soul aligns, a place where the soul aligns. A new dawn. Souls lay bare, scared, unaware that life starts there. Seeping tranquility as a hollow night gives way to transcending wisps of heaven. Answers become clearer the more that you question, the more you resist automation and dependence, so surrender. Feel familiarity through the incandescence. Let your soul be soothed in soft realizations. Let it be renewed through revelation. Stunning. Thank you. That was Alignment performed by Malika, a spoken word poet who's recently been crowned Peterborough's Poet Laureate. Thank you so very much, Malika. That was an extraordinary piece, um, which um, I can clearly see why you won the crown. What does that piece mean to you, Malika? Uh, You know, um, I think I don't want to get too... But I do think that we have a bit of a kind of spiritual crisis. I think that we are disconnected from our inner selves and we become very caught up in the fast paces of life. Um, and it takes us away from the things that are important and the things that contribute to our well-being as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, this piece kind of tries to capture that, um, firstly being consumed in, in all of that materialism and things and then the process of you know, breaking away from that because I think it's inevitable that being caught up in all these things mm-hmm. will have an effect on you know your well-being and your outlook on life. Um, so I'm trying to kind of put that into imagery. You know, that process of transitioning from that and finding yourself and how beautiful of a thing that can be. And I've made references to kind of you know an actual dawn in the sky, hence mm-hmm. like you know transcending wisps of heaven and things like that. Because it's a beautiful thing to connect to yourself on that level. Now, you've mentioned about dips and crisis and alignment, and this is something very, very kind of um, resonates with me um, and the, yeah. the show itself, because we talk about art therapy, we talk about mental health quite a bit on the show, and you're somebody that's quite passionate about raising awareness of mental yeah. health. And do you use your writing to help you combat mental health in any way? A hundred percent. In fact, I would argue it's why I started writing. Um, you know, from from the young age when I was, you know, dealing with things like bullying and and mental health issues, it was a way for me to escape and a way for me to formulate and understand better what it was that I was going through. Um, and looking back now, you know, dare I say that it helped me survive because, you know, in a time and a place where I felt like I didn't have an outlet. Um, or a voice, it gave me a voice and it gave me somewhere to place everything that I was going through. Um, and I and I really do, you know, through my workshops and events, I always say to people, you know, just write and you don't need to share it. It mm-hmm. doesn't need to be perfect. 
just get things down because it's such a it's such a powerful therapy. Mm. I was speaking to Mariam Grillo earlier on, and she is an art therapist, a creative pa- practitioner. She was talking about the UN um, program of sixteen days of activism, which is this particular day is uh, yeah. or is marking um, violence against anti-violence against um, women and girls and her project is about encouraging women to come forward and express their thoughts and express their Mm. viewpoints and how important is it for women to do that or men to do that when it comes to kind of um, gaining some respite and healing from the trauma that they've um, faced I can't express enough the importance of it. Um, it was only on um, this weekend, on Saturday, I went to an event, um, a Lantern Initiative event called Healing Minds, and that kind of held a space for people to express what it was they're feeling. And, you know, some of these people had experienced some very deep trauma, um, and it was very clear how much that space was needed. And whether that's going to you know, an event like that or writing things down, you know, for your health, you, you need an outlet. You really mm. do. And that's the beauty of writing. You can do it from the privacy and the comfort of your own home, and it doesn't need to go anywhere else. But, you know, in order for your your well-being, you know, you have to, you have to outlet. You have to, you know, process what it is that you've been through or what you're going through. Um, for your for your own health and and the health of everyone around you as well because mm-hmm. as we know that you know when you don't take care of yourself it affects your relationships and your ability to function uh, you know in society and around the people that are close to you. What advice would you give to any budding writers out there that would like to be where you're at right now, winning a crown or uh, for being a poet laureate or just putting pen to paper and expressing themselves in, in the sanctity of their bedroom? I would say whatever you do, don't put your pen down because especially when I thought because of my personal experience, I think when you are somebody who writes um, quite privately um, and you don't kind of have any pressures or any anything to me you know it can be tempting to kind of dismiss it but your writing is your power uh, and use it and everybody every single body has a unique voice so don't be afraid if you have you know if you're willing to and you want to share it don't be afraid of just putting it out I think that's how I started it with my mum I know I bless her like that encouraged me to just put it out there she said don't worry about how many people comment and stuff like that just put it out there you know at least you've got it have got it on a platform and that's how I grew that's exactly how I then connected with other writers um and equally attend attend events mm-hmm. and go to open mic events and even if you don't speak you'll be meeting other people and that might give you the courage and the connections you need to enhance your writing you mentioned your mum encouraging you how important is it to have yeah. family backing you it is very important because it definitely makes you feel empowered and you feel like you have a team behind you clapping. Um, but I'd also say, even if you don't have that, for whatever reason, um, don't be afraid. Just believe in yourself. Um, and I think, you know, no matter how many people you have around you, even if you have the world clapping to you, if you don't believe in yourself, then you'll never be able to kind of push yourself out there. 
that's very very important um so i i just feel like you know look in the mirror and and love what you see and take care of yourself in the process and be your best friend and do it i like that be your best friend it's November, um, which I'm sure you're aware of. And, and I've been reading some interesting posts where people are suggesting that, you know, say no to negative energy in November. Yeah. Um, use this as a means of kind of enabling a better balance of your mental health. What would you um, suggest for people um, to uh, do in November to kind of enable their a more more balanced mental health? Oh, I like that question because I think we don't ask that question enough. So I'm glad you've asked that. Um, I think what's important is knowing yourself first. So everybody's different in the way that they, um, you know, feel nurtured and feel refreshed. I think taking the time to understand what works for you is really important. Mm-hmm. And then I think establishing, you know, I read something about the importance of having one hour a day mm-hmm. dedicated to yourself. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to be undisturbed and you have to lock yourself away or anything like that, but intentionally go out to create that time to do things which make you feel better, make you feel good, and make you feel positive. So whether that's spending time with close people or taking a bath or watching your favourite show, just be intentional. Um, and I think that's the fundamental part of it. I think whatever you choose to do, however you choose to take care of yourself, be intentional. Um so that you know you're manifesting that time as a dedication to yourself. Great advice there. I also wanted to ask you as a young person, it's Veteran Day today and we're seeing the um, celebration for ar- armistice. I can't even say that word properly, where we're seeing... Um, it's a living it. Uh, sorry? It's a bit of a mouthful. It is, it is. And um, more and more research is coming forward and more um, celebrating of the Muslim contribution, um, the black and Indian um, soldiers and Muslim soldiers that were contributing to the war effort. As a young British uh, Muslim girl growing up, how does that make you feel when you see, see uh, or are you aware of their contribution? Yes, um Actually, it's, it's my 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 dad and and my grandparents that have spoken to me about this. And the, only yesterday, actually, I saw on the news um, a couple of people were being interviewed. Um, some people from a Muslim Asian background, um, and it was it made me really, really proud to mm-hmm. see that that was being covered. Um, and I think we shouldn't be afraid of saying, you know, what we did this mm-hmm. because that's an act of self love um, to ourselves and to our community. So I, I think it's wonderful. Utterly wonderful. And I'm going to be speaking to Farouk um, um, Azam next week, inshallah, uh, from the Himma Project, who actually spent six years compiling, archiving images of the contribution of the Indian and Muslim and black soldiers in the war effort, which has been showcased at uh, the Art Exchange in Nottingham. So I'm really, really excited about talking to him about that. Um, Malika, it's been absolutely tremendous having you joining us this morning on the show and sharing your award-winning piece alignment um where next can we hear you perform so i have a performance on the 17th at the key theater in peterborough um it's going to be a really interesting piece it's something that i haven't done before it's really interesting um so please do come um 
please follow my socials at Monica Speaks on Twitter and Instagram because on there I'll be posting everything there Fantastic. are so many things projects and events which are coming up brilliant thank you so very much Malika for joining us today and uh, performing it's been an absolute pleasure and, and congratulations that is the wonderful Malika Speaks and we're heading off to a break joined by another two tremendous guests who'll be sharing their work in theatre and Autism Day in the mosque um, so don't go away inshallah we'll be catching up with them and the question I'm asking you today is what does human rights mean to you um, join me on 07779481822 to share your thoughts Assalamualaikum you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It's 11 o'clock exactly, Monday 11th of November, folks. And it's me, Shamiza, taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock on Where Else is the Urban Cube show. Hope you've had a fantastic morning so far. Want to find out what you've been getting up to, people? Contact me on 07779481822 and tell me what you've thought of the show so far. It is November and I'm seeing a lot of people making comments around, well, actually following this campaign, which is saying, say no to November, say no. Things that you would say no in November regarding your mental health. What is it that you want to give up in November or say no to? Um, would love to find out. But one thing I don't want you to say no to is to my following guest, who's actually doing a tremendous job in engaging um, local communities across the country with this play called Trojan Horse. Now, many would connect the word Trojan Horse to Greek mythology, but no, folks, Trojan Horse play is about um, an inquiry that was had a number of years ago around a school in Birmingham, which was being monitored for possible extremism. Now, the this has actually formulated a play, a play that I had the absolute pleasure of seeing at Battersea Arts Centre. And I must say, please do go and check it out. Now, this play has been written by no other than Helen Monks and Matt. Woodhead, and it's been translated by Aisha Manzir uh, Manzir Siddiqui, with even a free audio translation being added to the play. Now, um, I'm joined by no other than Madhya Ansari, who is a tremendous woman, full of amazing energy and talent who has taken on board the role as the engagement um, officer for this play and is doing an absolutely fantastic job in making sure people get to hear about this play and uh, she's part she always is part of the post panel discussions that happen on the plate as well so it's an absolute pleasure to have Madiha joining us on the show this morning assalamu alaikum Madiha I'm I can hear you very clearly. Thank you, my dear. Thank you so very much for okay. joining us. Trojan Horse Play, it's on tour, yes. presently in London at the moment. It's actually won yes. an award at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival via, via Amnesty International. Yes. Two awards, mashallah. Tell me, yes. my dear, why um, why is it important for people to see this play? And, and in a nutshell, what is it about? 
Okay, so Jemima, for all of your listeners who don't know about the Trojan Horse play, it is written by uh, Helen and Matt, uh, like you said, from Lung Theatre, and it's based around the story of the Trojan Horse Inquiry that took place in Birmingham mm-hmm. back in 2014, uh, where a, a group of Muslim school teachers and governors were accused of plotting to take over schools and radicalizing children mm-hmm. and uh, sort of enforcing an Islamic agenda on these schools. Um, and there was this huge government inquiry um, led by the Secretary of State for Education at the time called Michael Gold. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys know about oh, it. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, and once the, when the inquiry happened, um, there was a huge media storm, uh, mainly sort of um, headed by the right-wing press, or if I may say press. <laughs> I'm not, I'm like, you know, I do apologize if I'm going to say any controversial things because I feel so strongly about this uh, project. So um, Helen and Matt went into the community and spoke to almost 90 people and collected over 200 hours of recorded interviews, wow. uh, which they then adapted into a one-hour, 20-minute play. Um, it is a piece of verbatim theatre, so, so everything you hear uh, in the play has been said by somebody, mm-hmm. right? And all the facts have been triangulated, which means that they've been checked three times. Um, over um, and at the time there were um, there was evidences and court documents that should have been available to the public that were hidden that they got hold of and what they've done is they're just presenting the truth mm-hmm. and then I, th- I think and, and it has also been reviewed in this way it was it's quite a balanced play so they've been very conscious about not you know yes. overly uh, like making the Muslim um, characters seem holier than holy, mm-hmm. so that you know that you, so you get both sides of the story. Mm. And um, yeah, it, uh, it was really difficult to actually get the play off the ground because, as you can imagine, because of the controversial nature of the the, the theme, uh, they, not many theatres wanted to take it on. Yeah, th- this is what's interesting because I'm quite intrigued by why yeah. Helen and Matt, Helen Monks and Matt Woodhead, would want to take yeah. on board this play. What was it about the the uh, the actual scandal that? got them wanting to kind of create a play? Well, um, Lung Theatre are a community theatre group, mm-hmm. essentially, right? And uh, a lot of the plays that they do are have a social message. And Helen is actually from Birmingham. So it's, it was a story that was very, very close to her heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just wanted to investigate. And what we what they've said in conversations with me is that they, they've decided very early on that um, if they found any bit of truth in their controversy, uh, then they were not going to take the play on because they didn't want to add fire to the... Okay. To, well, they didn't want to hire, uh, add fuel to the fire. So to speak. And uh, the people that were accused, wrongly, may I say, uh, have already... They're already suffering enough. And mm. these teachers and government have literally lost their livelihoods, uh, as we saw in the play. Um, so, but... As they investigated, they found that there was no truth in the actual inquiries, and it was all fabricated, and it was a um, you know result of just uh, fear mongering and a lot of just irresponsible reporting, uh, so to speak. So eventually, the um, what used to be the West Yorkshire Playhouse, but is now the Leeds Playhouse, um, supported them. So the play was written in association with the Leeds Playhouse. They then took it up to the Leeds, uh, to the Edinburgh Film Festival, sorry, uh, mm-hmm. in 2018, where it then uh, it went on to win the, um, like you said, the Amnesty International Freedom of Expression Award. 
Madiha, I want to ask you a question. Why are you so passionate about this play? Um, you weren't part of the, were you part of the writing of this play or did you come on at the latter end? And what is it that makes, drives you to be part of this? Um, well, I just came on this year, only in September. I think for me, it's really important that the truth is um, exposed. Mm-hmm. And then as the engagement manager, my sort of objective is to get the message across to as many people as possible, in particularly um, members of the South Asian community who are directly affected by it. Not a lot of people want to talk about it, as you can imagine, because... Frightened. Yeah, they're frightened. They are. They're, they're like, like, you know, British Muslim, the British Muslim narrative at the moment in the country is so negative. I think normal people like you and me and a lot of the communities that I've spoken to, they just want to, you know, they just want to try, they're just trying to get on with their lives. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to be part of this political agenda. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, I, you know, I'm encouraging people to speak up, to learn the truth. Uh, we are going. We have doing three workshops in schools, in colleges, and universities, so that we can encourage young people to have the courage to, you know, to go out and look for the truth rather than just accepting. But then, then it gets studio. quite. You know, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. You're getting young people to go out and find the truth, and then you're getting um, the prevent umbrella cover you know over their heads um you know how much uh, freedom of speech are young people really allowed to have but coming back to the actual play itself you have a panel discussion a post-panel discussion why is that important madiha why is it important to have a post-panel discussion yes so every single show so we've got about 50 shows of this national uh tour that we're on currently it's followed by a post where um, I'm chairing the discussion, it's a pleasure to be there. Uh, we're joined by Professor John Holmwood, who was one of the key witnesses on the defense, has acted as the academic advisor. He's there to uh, to make sure that we get, you know, the expert mm-hmm. knowledge and all the truth. And then we've got people from the local community, experts or MPs and mm-hmm. um, researchers and people, you know, just people from the acting on the, the community, like teachers and uh, medic, med, medical um, professionals who are affected by the prevent uh, agenda within their profession to talk about um, what, you know, well, not really, we don't have a lot, of, a lot of time, but to start the conversation about, um, you know, what we can do to uh, battle Islamophobia, for mm-hmm, example, mm-hmm. or how we can always stand up to this, you know, to this um, approach to prevent agenda that horribly marginalizes young British Muslim children. We, know, we've had... And for me, if you ask me to my yeah. Luton has definitely Luton had that. Luton, oh, your train is your train there? Sorry. No, no, no. My uh, train is here. I just going to say for me, it's particularly important because I'm a mum like mm. of two young boys. My boys are nine and five. And I just don't want them to grow up in this environment where just because of their uh, faith identity or their ethnic identity, I don't want them to be marginalized because mm, they're just mm. normal British children who want to do well. And for them to have, yeah, a, a prevent agenda. Because a prevent agenda assumes that just because a child is uh, Muslim, he is predisposed somehow to acts of violence or terrorism or, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just unfair. I think it's really, really unfair. It's a violation of human rights. That is what I would like to say there. But what yes. what are we seeing yes. from the outcome of this play? And who is actually coming to this play? And who um, are you trying to educate? 
So we have had such diverse audience. Uh, we are performing at the Houses of Parliament uh, to get possibly a tangible change to the Fantastic. policy. Um, and we've also started a petition uh, for, the, for a fallout to government to define Islamophobia. Because Islamophobia, I think, is just a fancy word for utter racism. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll agree with that. So yeah, I do apologize. My trains arrive, so if you don't hear me for a moment, that's probably why it will be. We love uh, sound so effects. Actually, it's live radio. Yeah, so, <laughs> so as you know, Shamaza, I was in, uh, we are at the Bafitiya Centre for two weeks. I was there last week. I came home to Dewsbury yesterday, and I'm on my way back to the Bafitiya Centre for the next week of wow. shows. Wow. So, um, the Birmingham shows uh, from the 19th to the 22nd at the Midlands Art Centre are completely sold out, but we do have very limited seats available for the Bafitiya Centre. So I would say uh, for your listeners who are in London, uh, please still, you know, you can still go on the Backyard Centre uh, website and get those tickets if you want to come and Because we have today. Imran and Mahmood, um, who yeah. is also a emerging producer in Luton, who will be mm-hmm. at, on the panel on Friday, guys. Imrana is going to be on the panel, inshallah, on Friday. Yes. She will be part of the discussion post Post discussion for the Trojan Horse Play. Um, they yes. anything you? I know you're going to be sat in your train. So in case we lose you, how can people find out more about this play? Are there any hashtags or handles or Facebook page? Yes. yes. So um, we do have a, a lot of content coming out uh, from the Lung Theatre web, uh, Lung Theatre Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles. So go on there because we're trying to put out as much. Uh, information on there. Uh, our hashtag is hashtag Trojan Horse Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, if you want to know more about it, you can search for the hashtag. Um, also, if you do come and watch the play or you've got any questions or any comments to make, do that via Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and uh, hashtag it and we will try and address it. And, you know, um, just to let you know, um I'm very, very pleased to uh, tell you that after the uh, show at the House of Parliament, which is happening on the 7th of January, January, we are going back on our uh, very, like we're going back on our second national tour straight away from the 30th of January. Fantastic. So those people that have missed the play this time round, you'll have an opportunity to watch it very, very soon. And, you know, we're we're, we're traveling the length and breadth of United Kingdom. Brilliant. You know, I want people to just, like, I don't want to change your opinion about anything. I just Mm -hmm. want you to come and see the play and make your own decision, make your own conclusion. And then, um, you know, I think that's the best way to go about it because it's not it's not about it's just about educating people with the truth mm. and then letting them decide what they want to do with it. And Shamaza, you watched it. I did. Um, and, and I watched like, it with yeah. the actual deputy head at that time who was embroiled in the scandal. Yes. I sat next to him and to what yes. to what observe yes. who was also on the panel discussion to observe him yes. with the characters. You can say his name, you know, Shamaza. <laughs> <laughs> Razwan Faraz. Um, I'm not frightened Razwan to say his Faraz, name, yes. um, but it was extraordinary, yes. <laughs> extraordinary because yes. observing um, his reactions to him being played, yes. and it wasn't just him, his character yes. being played. There's another two other individuals who, are, uh, who one I yes. also know of. I know the other teacher too. Um, it was extraordinary. It was heart wrenching. Yes. I was very emotional, yes. upset, um, confused. Yes overwhelmed these were you know yes. this is how i felt and i do feel it's yes. a play that does need to be taken yes. across the country because i think it's allowing it's a balanced view and it's allowing 
the other side of the story to be uh, to educate um, and to inform and advise the general public that you know what scaremongering does happen in the media Um, bias opinion is created but this is the impact it can have it can really really destroy lives Um, from this play Madiha you are a remarkable extraordinary woman Um, you you work so extraordinarily um, in the theatre world um, in in the north from apart from this play what else is it that's going to that you're going to be getting involved with um, so I have, um, I've been a freelance performer and artist and uh, community engagement producer for a very long time, but I set up a company called the Cultural Ecology Project, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the ultimate mission is to uh, support, showcase, and create mentorship pathways for South Asian females, mm-hmm. um, females in the art sector. Fantastic. So hopefully we're going to be uh, doing a lot of that, and I'm quite passionate about South Asian voices and South mm. Asian stories mm. and South Asian art practice. So uh, we do have a South Asian folk festival in collaboration with the Arts Council of Pakistan coming up uh, in Bradford. And everything that I'm doing, because I work out of Bradford, as you know, Shemaiza, it all contributes to Bradford's bid for City of Culture 2025. Mm -hmm. So, you know, watch this space and just, I think I would say to everybody, just own your identity Mm -hmm. and don't be scared. Uh, of the of where you come from, because Britain is not great because of um, you know because of uh, separation or like, sort of disintegration. Britain is great because we're made up of an amalgamation of so many amazing cultures, amazing amazing languages. And I found during my work that actually normal people are not Islamophobic, they're not racist, there isn't okay. any hate. So, to my, if I may, I just would like to share with your listeners, um, we performed in Newcastle, which, as you can imagine, was quite a, a single uh, culture audience. It was pretty much mostly white, uh, middle-class audiences. And at the end of that show, a elderly uh, white woman came up to me and Matt. Matt is our co-writer and also director. She held our hands. She had tears in her eyes, and she just said, thank you, I am so ashamed. And that's what she said to us. And she gave us a hug, and she said, please do not stop doing what you're doing, which which to me sounds like maybe she had an, a certain opinion about mm. the British Muslim mm-hmm. uh, community, but maybe through this play, her opinion has changed, and that's the power of art. Uh, art is supposed to question status quo. We should not be scared of the powers uh, that maybe should not be uh, afraid of people in authority. The common man has the power to make changes. So, you know, don't be scared, guys. And and also, Shemaza, it's just a really great play isn't it it's entertaining it is entertaining i love the comic um the, the one-liners the comedy the the birmingham accent yeah. i absolutely love the birmingham accent i just absolutely yeah. love the fact that this was a all brown cast how fantastic yes. to actually see that that we're yes. seeing brown actors yes. playing brown roles um yeah, yeah. you know and this is refreshing the engagement manager the engagement manager is brown our touring stage manager is brown we have such amazingly diverse team and you know if i like again without sounding biased or gushing over my team but they're just really really nice people mm-hmm. they're just 
good people with good intentions. And I think Matt and Helen have had some um, some sort of criticism because you know they're basically the white, the two white people who've mm. written about. And this uh, is why I wanted to ask you how have how yeah. did they gain? What sort of response did they gain? And um, and were how did they manage to get people to give them the testimonies? Um, I think it's just it goes down to their their personalities. They're just like I said, they're just good eggs, Jemiza, and um, super you know, cute. They're, they're on the bright side of the crew. They yeah. are super cute, super amiable, and yeah. very very caring, yeah. very but young very as well. Very young, but so intelligent and talented. My God, they are so intelligent um, in what they're doing. And, you know, it's a very small team. As you know, within the arts, there's not a lot of funding. Mm. Um, so we've had to work. So everybody's doing, like, their people's job. And, um, you know, the way that we've um, sort of managed the tour, it's just amazing that their drive inspires me so, so much. And um, as the head of the, as sort of like the leaders of the, uh, of the company, they, they are such good role models. Mm. And I think they make everybody else work hard. And that's why we've been able to achieve what we've been able to And you have so, been yes, very... Just watch the space, everyone. Definitely. You've been yeah. very successful in achieving. Yeah. I've been following your passionate um, uh, and energy for for this play. But I'm, I just yeah. want to touch up on the language side of things because it's actually got a free audio yeah. translation. Why was it important to insert Urdu um, audio as part of the play? Uh, well, see, the story is about the South Asian community, right? And Matt and Helen did their research uh, within, you know, with, within what they knew, and they found that Urdu is the most widely spoken uh, and understood language. I mean, to be honest, I joked to them about this. They could have just asked me without having to that side. Like, they could have asked one of us, and I would have told them this in one sentence. But, yeah, the play has been, they've invested a lot of money, my type say, to have the whole play translated into Urdu, mm-hmm. um, and then we've recorded it. So I'm the voice uh, actress, so privileged to be the voice actress on the translation. Uh, myself and another actor called Uzair Bhatti, we uh, recorded the whole play in one day oh in my London goodness. back in September. Wow. And, um, you know, our sound designers and our technical team are so, so talented. And then the, the whole play is, uh, you can access it in Urdu. Um, it was literally just to... Um, uh, to make sure that more people from the community felt comfortable to come to the theatre. We've had people engage with the play that have never been to the theatre before. Right. And um, I think it's just, it's, it's just to create that integration. And I mean, what I said to them, Shamaiza, and, you know, I, I'm really, really going to back this idea. I think we should perform the play in Urdu and then have uh, the English trans- translation available. By, by Why not? Set. Anything um, is possible, Medea, yeah. and I know you'll make it happen. Absolutely. I want to ask you, Medea, oh, what you. advice and guidance or tips could you give to any potential theatre makers out there or anybody that wants to work in the field of theatre or write a play um, around identity and, yes. and their and, and their life? Okay, so what I say to a lot of my mentees is if you want to do something, you just have to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are scared about uh, skills or, you know, you feel like you don't know how, how to do it, get in touch with people, get as much experience as possible. I'm here. Uh, my name is Madiha Ansari. As you know, find me on social media. I'm trying to create mentorship pathways. I'm trying to uh, match uh, young uh, practitioners with established practitioners. And I think Lung Theatre and a lot of the other theatres that I work with, whether it's Freedom Studios in Bradford, 
or you know um, so many they are happy to provide these mentorship classes but get out there mm. read get as much experience as you can go to the theater and i think it's just about writing that like i i think a lot of young actors don't know that a lot of opportunities are, are available the mm. arts council has a lot of funding for artist development they, they yes, might yes, have me, like, definitely they might yes. have a lot of funding but it's not an, a, an easy access to get that funding it's because uh, yeah there's uh, I, that's another radio show yeah, it's not that hard either, to be honest. Okay, either. okay. Uh, you know who yeah. I'm going to be contacting after this show. It's going to be Madiha. Madiha, <laughs> you know, um, is there a north-south divide when it comes to theatre? Because um, have you seen, is theatre like this everywhere across the country? Because you've toured across from the north to the south. Yes, yes. Um, well, uh, it's safe to say that there is a lot more happening in London, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just put that out there. Mm -hmm. But I think if you have conviction in what you're doing, if the writing is because look, story is king in any theatre or you know in any whether it's TV or film, writing is king. If your writing is good, if the story you're telling has some substance, and you know if there's a movement behind it, then mm. it will take off. It might be slow, like it was for. Uh, Long theaters for more, but you know, if it's good, it will happen. Mm, um, mm. I found that a lot of theaters that were apprehensive about taking the project on, mm -hmm. now that they can see the uh, popularity and sort of the you know how excellent it is, now they want they want to put us on. So the mm. hence why we've been so successful in getting the national the second national tour on. So um, you know, and the thing is, uh, Shmaizo, at the beginning of my art career, a lot of people said to me, "Why don't you move to London?" And I said, "Look, London is very oversubscribed." Mm. Um, it, a lot of people are doing amazing things down here, like no doubt about it. But I think we need to bring it up north. There's such amazing writers and amazing Definitely. young writers. Bradford, Bradford is one of the youngest cities in Europe, right? Which means we have some of the freshest ideas, some of the freshest writers. And I think it's time that we showcase them. Mm. And you've and, got um, the Bra like Young Theatre mm. has been a yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so Bradford Literature Festival, um, um, Aina yes. Khan and Asma Elbad, we yes. have just uh, showcased their piece yes. with the wonderful Yasmin Khan performing in it. So much, yes. so much going on. My darling, yes. it's been an I absolute pleasure. Yeah. Um, we are now heading to yeah. a break and I just want to say thank you so very much yes. for joining us on your train journey to where Battersea Art Centre. Yes. The place to yes, be. Keep supporting. Thank you so much uh, for your support. On this you're you're so, so very welcome. We're looking forward to having it come to the Hat Factory in Luton, inshallah, very shortly. So thank you so very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That was a wonderful Madhya Ansari. We're heading off to a break and we're going to be talking about autism in the mustard. Autism hour at the mustard. Um, straight after this, join me then. Assalamu alaikum and to continue listening to Inspire FM 105.1 FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. 11.30, Monday 11th of November and it's Shamiza taking all the way to 12 o'clock on the final half an hour of the Urban Cube show. What a show it's been so far. We've had the pleasure of speaking about 16 days of activism, talking with Mariam Grillo, talking to a, uh, a recently crowned poet laureate of 
Peterborough, uh, Malika speaks, and also speaking to the very, very effervescent um, Madia Ansari about the play The Trojan Horse, which has been showcased at the Battersea Arts Centre. Um, and this play is about the Trojan Horse Inquiry, the scandal that went national in the press about a school in um, Birmingham Parkview School, where teachers and governors were accused of actually turning the children into extremists. Now, this play has successfully toured across the country, winning a not one but two awards um, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and um, and it's been so successful that it's now going on its second leg of the tour once the first tour is finished. Now, you guys have the opportunity to go and check it out. It is at Battersea Arts Centre. And what's awesome is our very lovely Imrana Mahmood, yes, Imrana from the Book Club show, and who is a highly successful um, theatre producer, is also going to be actually creative producer. She's also going to be on the post-show panel of this theatre play. Now, the reason why she's on the post-show panel is because uh, Mashallah Madiha um, did did come to Luton and um, had the opportunity to kind of engage with the community here as well um, regarding research and development. So, wow, awesome stuff. It's all happening across Luton. But other stuff that's been happening in Luton at the weekend, which you may have followed on the Facebook for Inspire FM, was Autism Hour. Yes, it was a wonderful initiative, which um, Brother Tarek has been sharing all throughout last week. Um, if, you were listen- if you're keen listeners to the Rise and Shine show, you would have heard him interviewing um, the brothers at Hockwell Ring Masjid, also the sisters involved um, regarding why it's so important to have um, uh, Masjid's open its doors to provide um, a safe space for children and adults with neurodiversity. And what I mean by neurodiversity is uh, traits such as autism, Asperger's syndrome, just naming two. Now, um, on the show this morning, I have the absolute pleasure to be joined by Sadia Hussein, who happens to be a parent with a child with autism, mashallah, and um, she was supporting Autism Hour in the mosque. Assalamu alaikum, Sadia. Thank you so very much for joining us at such short notice um, on the show this morning. It's an absolute pleasure to have your company. How have you been so far? What's your morning been like? Um, It's been quite hectic because the weekend uh, went through with preparations of the event. So I'm just catching up with everything really this morning. Um, So yeah, I think uh, a lot of love and labour went into the event uh, by all the volunteers. It was just so wonderful to see um, how it all came together. Fantastic. And now we've all been quite intrigued and we've all been anticipating what the outcome of the event will be because Marshall the Rise and Shine show has been promoting it and raising awareness to the wider community. Absolutely. Did you have a good turnout? Oh, the turnout was fantastic. It was, um, it sold out days before. Um, the actual uh, event took place and it got to the point where um, at the door, I mean, we had to manage it in such a way that 
it didn't become overcrowded mm-hmm. because the whole idea was to create an, an environment that was suitable for autistic children mm-hmm. and adults um, so that it wasn't too loud, of course. Um, too busy, um, all the relevant visual aids were there. So, I mean, all these things were in place. So we had to be mindful of that. So it was really... Um, it's so great to see people come to the door, but equally what we've done is we've registered their interest, uh, inshallah, for future events because it's really, that's how, you know, overwhelming the response has been all over. We're still getting emails in this morning uh, for people saying uh, how much they enjoyed it um, and how very much hopeful they are that something like this will continue, inshallah. Mashallah. Why was it necessary to do this? I mean, essentially, uh, the thing is that we, uh, as in, you know, parents, when we raise our children, we look at all elements of their life. And I think that there was just this huge void uh, on how does a parent with special needs raise their child, uh, you know, to teach them the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, you know, how, how do we go about doing that? So even, especially when they can't comfortably set foot in a place of worship. Mm-hmm. So it all starts from there, obviously, the Masjid is house of Allah. And we really need to, you know... Um, I mean, Sister Sarah from, uh, you know, who did it first at Finsbury Masjid uh, led this beautiful initiative um, and it really has opened the door for other towns and I'm very grateful for Sister Kishwa to bring it to Luton so our community benefited from the same um, and it, it is really important now, you're... because if we don't mm. uh, demonstrate the inclusiveness, we're not, you know, mm-hmm. we can't mm-hmm. just be talking about it. Now, you're a mother with an autistic child, Marshalla. How old is your, your child? Um, my son is three. Um, he got diagnosed early this year. Mm-hmm. And um, getting out and about um, and just daily life, you know, presents its challenges. So for me, it was a really emotional moment yesterday mm-hmm. uh, when I had him go to the mushrooms for the first time. Wow. Uh, and, wow. and it gave me the confidence that, you know, I'll be able to do that again in the future. I, I didn't really... Before I couldn't even think about. It. I was like, how can, how will I? But now, you know, with this in this event having taken place, you know, it's it's built up that confidence in me that I can do this again, inshallah. And because he's three, he's at a wonderful age where he will just grow with confidence, inshallah, and it will be um, a regular regular thing for him. Now. What was it like for the other parents? Um, and were you aware of um, other parents in the community that have autistic children? Yes. So, I mean, what happened was during the course of the event, we actually went around speaking to families. We helped them participate, mm-hmm. into, you know, and engage in the different activities. Um, all of them were just like, this is very, very well thought out because a lot of the volunteers had have children with special needs. So mm-hmm. they knew exactly the kind of things that were needed mm-hmm. and so like I said it was all very visual uh you know it's very practical you know the kinds of types of um I mean for example in the salah activity we had the wudu board so it was a case of children with a lesser ability could match up the steps of it right um the ones that are a bit more advanced could actually then just match the steps in order and mm-hmm. um, so it just really gave you know it opened itself up to everybody. I mean, Karen uh, from the Luton Barrett Council attended and she was just thrilled to see um, that there were so many families there with autistic children and in what a calm environment mm. it was just to pull that off, uh, you know, where you know there wasn't any crying or any breakdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, an, there was a facility for a quiet space for people to, if they did feel overwhelmed, they could go in and make use of that. And, and that, made, that was the best room, I would say, that was used in the event. Fantastic. Um, 
purely because it meant that people could take a break away and come back. Uh, and one lady wrote in this morning to say that this is the first time her son's lasted an hour somewhere going out. Uh, oh. That's how much he enjoyed himself and that he, you know, uh, he was managed to... So will this be a regular thing? Um, how do you foresee the future with Autism Hour at the Mustard? And this is Hot Quail Ring Mustard that's done this. So is this the only mustard that's doing this at the moment? At the moment, yeah. So we we approached uh, um, Hot Quail Ring Mustard and we are getting inquiries from other mustards. So okay. I think that this is definitely... Um, the stepping stone uh, for bigger things to come, inshallah. And uh, from this has come out a really beautiful project called Seen Ability. Mm. Now, this project is about, um, so seems though the focus is around special needs children. So mm. we've created an opportunity for them to come to the masjid. So what's next? So the next step was uh, naturally that is how do we get them to learn more about the deen mm. uh, in a way that's uh, suitable to their ability and their needs. You know, do they need to get transported? Uh, do they need one-to-one support there? Does they need a carer at hand when they're learning, for example, Quran or you know, basic Islam? So all of these things uh, would be covered. And we've got so much interest has come in. Parents were saying, yes, we would very much love that, as in we cannot take on this alone yes we really would just like every any other community isn't it coming together um to help that's right make this possible so dean ability is um the next stage what an exciting exciting project so how can people access dean ability is this still on its Um, its, uh, baby steps Mm -hmm. so they can please uh look up uh the details on there and then there'll be contact further contact details are on there as to how you can get in touch uh with brother yasir uh, Mm -hmm. to get more information on this because we've gathered what people want but Mm -hmm. again obviously we need to um, do some more uh, work around this to completely understand the needs uh, before you know a full launch happens. Inshallah. Fantastic, and and I'm sure Yasmin Yusuf, a friend of Bright Eyes, um, must have been absolutely elated when this all came about because I remember speaking to her many yes. many years ago, and this is one of her one of an area that saddened her that um, that mustards were not um, disabled friendly in the sense that there was not enough uh, facilities available to to cater the needs for disabled children. Now I wanted to ask you, um, it was called Autism Hour, but you mentioned special needs children. So what, was this a broad um, enabled children from all abilities to, to attend or did they have to be specifically autistic? I mean, essentially it's, it's a national campaign, uh, Autism Hour. So you'll actually see it in places okay. like um, the shopping centres and things like that. So it's, it's generally recognised under the umbrella of autism. Okay. Um, and it, a lot of it was centred around that. But it was a case of bringing a child along who wouldn't have usually have the opportunity to go to the masjid and be comfortable there, mm-hmm. to come away with a positive experience. That was the, the main aim. Honestly, if one family came through the door and achieved that, so whether they... They had a negative experience first and now had a positive one or whether it was their first experience. Either way, it was a success uh, on that basis. I mean, everyone, so it wasn't just one family. I mean, like I said, that would have fulfilled our aim at that. But actually, I think everybody um, said that they thoroughly enjoyed it and that they really, really wanted to something.
anything like this to continue. So I think you know, we've got our work cut out for us. So uh, that's good. That's brilliant. I want to ask you, you know, how continue. the awareness of autism, this is a national campaign, getting people more aware, the wider public more aware of um, the needs and requirements and sensitivities um, around or um, people with individuals with autism. What about the Muslim community itself in Luton? How autistic aware are we as a community, do you think? I think um, that because it's becoming more prevalent now, you'll see uh, in a sort of a wider family that, that there'll be a child or two that has autism. So even if they don't know much about it, they know of it. Okay. Um, so our task is now that because it's it's something that's deeply rooted in our community, we really do, do need to address in a way so that we do uh, have the knowledge and be able to use that to support uh, individuals, um, their parents, their wider families. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all starts with awareness and knowledge. And I, I have to be very, very thankful to you, uh, Brother Tarek, yourself, and everyone at Inspire really does. I mean, I, I've been listening from like April. Like, uh, you, you take every opportunity to to mention this because it affects our community, of course, uh, a lot. So re- you play a very big part in raising that awareness. I really wanted to thank you for doing that. Bless you, sister. It's amazing work done by the community that makes our work possible. Um, and what I wanted to ask you, my dear, is tell me, as a mother, um, how much support have you received um with you know finding out your little one has autism i think um the process i mean i think i've got to know so many amazing people um through this i know once the trial comes upon a person Allah also creates a means for you to uh you know, take on the trial and, and the challenge that comes before you. Uh, and honestly, I've met so many people uh, on this journey that have, you know, given me words of support, you know, signposted me to the right places where I can get more help. Um, and just generally, I mean, this kind of initiative to get involved, it just means I'm giving something back um, and something, you know, that will help my son in the future as well, inshallah. So I think, I mean, I have received, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of other parents will agree as well, that we've got a good network um, of support available um, amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if that can be reciprocated in, in sort of in the wider community, I think that 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 would be you know something that we can look forward to in the future, inshallah. Inshallah. Now, uh, folks, if you've tuned in, you're listening to the Urban Queue with me, Shamiza, taking it all the way up to twelve o'clock. It is eleven forty-five. Now, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Sadia Hussein on the line this morning. Now, Sadia is a parent with a child that has autism, and she is talking to us about Autism Hour in the Mosque. This was held at the weekend at uh, Hockwell Ring Masjid, and by the sounds of it, we missed out on a very very good event it seems you were you may have seen it on facebook live because brother Tarek was down there um with his son mashallah and they were filming the event and in and i watched it all and i was like wow this is really cool um and i and i also got to see the table that had the dean ability little cards on there as well so that's another exciting outcome from this amazing event now um 
Sister Sadia, tell me what, um, how can people get in touch with yourself or with the Masjid or Autism Hour in the mosque if they want to support, get involved, get some advice? Certainly. Um, uh, the inability, as I mentioned, is the core place now for mm. resuming, con- uh, you know, for future contact now. Um, so the event was uh, linked to um, Sister Kishwa. But um, I think Brother Yastir now from the Nobility will take the future inquiries, um, any kind of support that you need. And again, uh, the Masjid were very, very pleased that they got to host this event. And I think uh, it raised their awareness as well. So mm. you can, more, uh, you know, I think they'll be happy if you approach them as well and ask them some questions. They they came away learning a lot as well yesterday. It was amazing. So I'd like to anybody... Um, so like Brother Yasser uh, from the Inability Project, um, our numbers are still on the, obviously if you still have the flyers to hand uh, from the event, you can still contact that number. Um, and, and like I said, find, find us on Facebook, that would be the main, uh, main place to go. Fantastic. Um, but please, yes, do get in touch. Um, now I've got um, Brother Tarek in the studio he's coming in, he isn't aware that I'm going to put him on the spot right now but he's going to talk to <laughs> us about his experience at um, Hot Quell Ring Mustard because he's the man with the camera that um, is always filming these amazing events and uh, Brother Tarek, assalamu alaikum Walaikum salam, how are you? I'm very well brother, we've got Sadia, Sister Sadia on the line at the moment and I believe you may have interviewed her in the past regarding, have you interviewed Sister Sadia before? I did, I speak <laughs> I spoke to Sadi last Tuesday. And um, mashallah, she's on the line now talking to us about how awesome the actual event was. Now, you were there in person. Let's hear it from your words. It was. It was absolutely amazing. And to be honest, I'm very fortunate that I've been actually working with Friends of Bright Eyes since I think it's about 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. when I started volunteering for the charity and uh, being able to uh, work with uh, Yemi children with autism and, and many other disabilities. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And one of the things Brother Yasser mentioned in, in his interview, in fact, uh, Brother Yasser is the, the uh, project manager for Friends of Bright Eyes, is the fact that uh, it's very important for our community to come to uh, these kind of events as well. Well as uh, as well as you mean volunteering with charities who work with uh, uh, children with disabilities is to be to get that exposure to these children and to get some experience of how to actually deal with with a child who may have autism. So if you are in a situation where you may be in a in a, in a mosque or you may be in a in a in, in any kind of environment where somebody is you mean looking distressed, how would you deal with that situation? Uh, so that I think is it's very it's a very important event. Uh, but one real comment that stuck stood out for me was uh, was a comment made by Karen. Uh, I interviewed Karen on on Thursday. She's actually one of the uh, uh, workers for uh, Lutonborough Council and uh, works with the, you know, these kind of children uh, all, all day and, and even even adults, in fact. And one of the comments that Karen made was when I just before I interviewed her on on Sunday was the fact that she was saying she cannot believe that there are so many children here and they are all just kind of get on getting along with each other and getting on with things one of the things with children with autism is the fact that they don't like change so they don't like this is a completely new environment for them as well as that they're seeing people for the first time so one of the things with working with children with autism is they like to see the same person they build that relationship with that person so in this situation where you've got them coming to a a brand new location with completely different people uh, I am so surprised she said I'm so surprised 
that they're not tearing the place down and you I mean sometimes you'll see some of them taking their clothes off you'll see some of them running over there you I mean causing manic but in this particular situation they were all peacefully getting on with things and one of the things she said was i'm not sure if it's the place itself which is giving them peace and i thought subhanallah it just it just felt amazing to think when we go to the masjid we find this inner peace and you find you mean tranquility and, and peaceful being in the house of allah and these children alhamdulillah are finding that same peace as well alhamdulillah sadia would you agree with that with what brother Tariq has just said that the children absolutely, found peace absolutely um uh, it's true. All praises are to Allah and all the errors are ours. Uh, definitely, um, it, it comes with the the special ambience any any time you go there. So for, for these children to come to go there and come away with that amazing experience, so they had something that they could relate to, something that they could see, something that they could learn. Um, definitely, I think they were so engaged there that you know. Th- they didn't have an opportunity to think about, you know, to become anxious because, you know, they were well, well looked after there. I mean, there were so many um, volunteers at hand, you know, guiding them through the activities. Um, and like I said, at any point, if they felt that it was too much, there was a facility there, that quiet room. I can't say what a blessing it was, how much of a blessing it was. Um, it, it, was there, it was there and it really helped um, any children that did feel uh, that it was too much at one point, you know, to go there and, uh, and then they could come back and join in. It was it's fantastic. And honestly, the place, yes, the, the barakah from the place itself, I can't agree with Brother Tarek anymore. Um, that was definitely a part of the magic. Yep. And also just to add to you, I was actually speaking to one of the uh, brothers who actually helps out on the on the Monday session, uh, the boys only session that we run uh, for Friends of Bright Eyes. And one of the things he and I were talking about on the way home and I was dropping him off was, Alhamdulillah, the number of activities that were there. And we were thinking it's because the sisters have organized it. The sisters, alhamdulillah, the amount of effort that they they went to. And when I, well, I'm sure for those of you who haven't, who didn't actually want it, weren't able to come down, look at the actual Facebook video. Go to the Inspire from Facebook page. Look at the video. I went through each and every single activity. But the amount of detail that went in, there was one particular thing around uh, Salah, for example, there was a prayer mat there, and there was a lot around visuals around actually, I mean, this is how you go down, uh, you mean, on the prayer mat, and they had these little pictures of your feet would, would touch here, so put, they put their feet on the prayer mat, this is where your nose would touch, uh, and this is something that the children would physically do uh, and actually get involved as an activity. The Hajj one, there's this, they, they had the, the Kaaba in the middle itself, so they actually go around the Kaaba itself, the way it was all made. When they went to the Zamzam well, there's a small little kind of uh, uh, like an like an actual veil that they made. Honestly, the amount of detail that the and I'm sure it was the sisters that did this. Uh, I know Brother Yasser and I think the couple of brothers may have helped maybe set things up. But the amount of effort these sisters go through, honestly, uh, I don't know where that event would have gone if it wasn't for the sisters. Honestly, Marshall, they're, they're absolutely amazing. Luton sisters are just, what can I say? Mashallah, mashallah. But you know, those activities yeah. sound as if just, able, you know, uh, ordinarily children would be very um, Absolutely. In- I interested agree in. More. I mean, we've had other um, mosques actually contact us and say these resources are wonderful because they've actually done the autism hour. And they're like, can we borrow some of them? Like, Absolutely, you know. Fantastic. They were intrigued by what, what, what the sisters had come up with. So uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of uh, labor and a lot of love has gone into this. And uh, I just feel that once we saw those children coming in and smiling that our purpose uh, was met, Allah gave us success uh, through Amen. that. It was, just an, it was an amazing experience. I've done events for 10 years, but 
this event was very close to my heart because mm. this was the one where I saw actually immediate impact. I've done fundraisers, I've done things, mm. I know, see money goes off, you know, it's going to go to another place, but to actually see the impact before your eyes it is something else. For someone who's worked a decade in events, I can tell you um, what, what, what took place yesterday was something exceptional. And this is what makes me so excited about hearing about this, the fact that we're actually working with our communities within our communities to do this. Um, and this is where I feel more investment needs to be kind of um, injected in. So to have you say that, that you've worked in fundraising for 10 years and worked on lots of events, that this was something extraordinary. Marshall, and may it continue. Sadia, it's been such an a- absolute pleasure having you joining us um, yeah, this morning you. in your busy schedule what are you doing for the rest of the week now do you think um i'm actually just, i'm studying as well now so i'm, I'm having to complete some assignments and oh, make fantastic. some classes this week so, what are you studying um, yeah what are you studying uh, i'm doing early years at the moment with a focus uh, around uh, special needs education as well Wonderful. So considering that it's something very close to home to me i, I thought i would really invest my time in actually studying it properly and I think you're you're going to be exceptional at it. Thank you so very much. May thank you so gain much. lots of burka from your studies and you complete the course successfully. And thank you so much for supporting oh, Autism yeah. Hour in the mosque. It was absolutely wonderful hearing about that this morning. And lots of love to your little one. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. That was the very wonderful Sadia Hussein talking to us about Autism Hour in the mosque, which was exceptional a, a great success would you agree brother Tariq? it was it was absolutely amazing and i think more masjids will come on board in luton and, and take this on and i think more of us need to uh, it's it's great exposure to of course uh, disabilities in itself and i think it was an absolutely amazing event fantastic hopefully inspiring sheffield and peterborough to take the lead too so from us assalamu alaikum have a wonderful week the repeat will be 8 p.m this evening assalamu alaikum thank you for listening to our podcast We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at InspireFM Luton.